This is the Bigger Pockets Podcast, show 405. I said, I only know sports, so I need to make my life like it is a sport. And what does all great athletes have? They have great coaches, they have great teams, and they are able to set goals. And if I can figure out how to do that in the next phase, then I think hopefully I'll be all right. You're listening to Bigger Pockets Radio, simplifying real estate for investors large and small. If you're here looking to learn about real estate investing without all the hype, you're in the right place. Stay tuned and be sure to join the millions of others who have benefited from BiggerPockets.com, your home for real estate investing online. What is going on, everyone? It's Brandon Turner, host of the Bigger Pockets podcast, the weekend edition here with David Green. What's up, David? Welcome back to the show. How you doing, man? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. This was a blast. I'm feeling really good. I think our audience is going to feel really good too. And I'm doing great. Thanks for asking, Brandon. Oh, good. Nice. Oh, good. Yeah. We just got finished recording with Mr. Lewis Howes. Lewis is a, a super successful, legit like podcaster, entrepreneur, business owner, done a lot of really, really great things. I mean, he's actually a professional football player, uh, all American in two sports in college, USA men's national handball team athlete. Uh, he's got a show called The School of Greatness. I think he has over $250 million downloads on that uh, with a oh, thousand episodes. He's been on the Ellen show, the Today show, and a lot of other major uh, shows. Really like legit successful guy. Uh, and we are really excited to have, you know be able to interview him today and bring him to you guys. So uh, with that said, let's get right into things with today's quick, quick tip. All right. So one thing that Lewis talks about today, you'll hear, is social media, a little bit about social media and building a personal brand. Now for real estate investors or for anybody, this is so vital because people will check you out on social media. So they're very qu the quick tip is very simple. Go to all your social media platforms, whether it's LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, whatever, TikTok, and ask yourself like, am I portraying the person that I want the world to see? Like that I want the world to see. So that I mean, do I look professional enough? Am I, am I putting out my goals there? Am I showing that I'm able to help others? Like is what I'm portraying line up with my mission? And that'll make more sense later as we get into today's show. But uh, that's your quick tip today is just take a, a five minutes to look at all your social channels and make sure that it's the way you want it to look. And if not, make some changes. Anything you want to add on that, David? Yeah, our guest talks a lot about things that we're afraid of kind of dictating the decisions that we make in life. And he gives some amazing advice for purposely facing the thing you're afraid of. And I would just add on to the quick tip. There may be things that we put about ourselves to portray ourselves on social media that are directly related to our fears. I don't think I'm successful enough. I want to look more successful than I am, right? Ask yourself if social media is something that you're using to fuel your fears as opposed to fuel your goals and make those corrections. You won't regret it. Very good. Very awesome. You might think you want real estate, but that's not true. What you really want is passive income. With new investors struggling to find deals or get enough money to buy them and veteran landlords tired of the constant tenant phone calls, is there a better alternative? Actually, there is. Short notes from Connect Invest. Connect Invest is an online investing platform that allows you to easily participate in passive real estate investing, and all you need is $500 to start. Short Notes collectively funds a diversified portfolio of commercial and residential real estate projects across acquisition, construction, and development phases. You'll earn a fixed monthly income without the hassle of owning or managing real estate. Head to connectinvest.com BP to create your account. Fund your digital wallet with at least $500. Select from six, 12, and 24 month short notes with annualized return rates up to 9%. Then sit back and let your monthly returns roll in. 
Join today by visiting connectinvest.com slash VP. Connectinvest.com slash VP. Passive income without the property headache? It's possible. There's a way to invest passively in real estate and get monthly income without any tenants, maintenance, or property management. The wealthy have been doing this for years, and if you're an accredited or high net worth investor, you too can collect cash flow without the headaches that come from owning rentals. How? By investing in a private real estate fund with PPR Capital Management. PPR's co-founder, Dave Van Horn, wrote the book on real estate note investing for BP. But he's not just investing in notes. Dave and his team also have an extensive background in commercial real estate. And with PPR Capital Management, they're strategically investing in both notes and commercial real estate nationwide. With over half a billion dollars in assets under management, PPR has provided individuals with a steady source of truly passive income since 2007 without ever missing a payment. Check them out at investwithppr.com. Again, if you're looking to get monthly passive income from an experienced team with a strong track record, go to investwithppr.com today. Remember when you had to pay to get a Leeds phone number? It was like the dark ages. Until Deal Machine made skip tracing a thing of the past. Now, with your Deal Machine plan, you'll get unlimited access to phone numbers and contact information for no extra cost. That's right. Get high quality, reliable information trusted by leading financial institutions, all fully compliant with the federal do not call list. Explore over 150 data points, including age, gender, marital status, occupation, and a ton more. Trust me, this is the data you need for off-market deals. With new filters, people flags, and color-coded phone numbers, lead management just got a ton easier. Ready to step up your investing game? Sign up for a Deal Machine plan today and gain immediate access to this unlimited treasure trove of contact information and phone numbers. Just head to dealmachine.com bp. Transform your lead generation and deal-making strategies with Deal Machine. Sign up today and start exploring the unlimited possibilities at dealmachine.com slash BP. And now, it's time to get to this interview. Uh, like I said, Lewis Howes is somebody that I look up to a lot online. He talks a lot about how to re- build relationships, how to reach out, including a formula for getting someone to respond to you on social media. He talks about the three words that you should be using for any kind of upgrade, uh, whether you're at a restaurant or a hotel or an airline, how to do that. He'll talk about like creating a one life or sorry, a one sentence mission statement for like your business and for your life. Uh, We talk a lot about like insecurities and how to overcome them uh, and how to even use them and harness them for greater success in life and so much more. There's just so much gold in this episode. You guys are going to love it. So grab a pen and paper, take some notes and let's get into this thing. All right, Mr. Lewis Howes, welcome to the show, man. It's good to have you here. Thanks, brother. Appreciate it. Yeah. So, uh, you know, you're somebody I've been watching for years, you know, grow your brand, your business, your podcast, uh, really been impressed with what you've been doing. But today I want to go, I want to introduce you to our audience. Our audience might, you know, they're not as much in the necessarily internet marketing or entrepreneurship space or even in the business or personal development. There are a lot of real estate investors. So for those who don't know you, I want to introduce you because you're a, you know, admirable guy. So can you kind of walk us through, I mean, a little bit of your early story? I mean, like what was kind of your background and how did you get into this kind of world of, uh, I guess, yeah. um, you know, just life. 62nd point of view. I grew up in a small town in Ohio called Delaware, Ohio, about an hour from Columbus and had a big dream to be an athlete, be a pro athlete. Was a two-sport All-American at college and then went on to play arena football, making $250 a week. Got injured as I was trying to make my way up to the NFL. That was kind of the, the ranks getting up there. I realized that it was like the greatest feeling of my life for that year and a half playing football, even if I was only making 250 bucks because it was like 
I'm doing something I love. I'm catching a football. I'm playing a sport that I've always dreamed to play, and I'm making money. I would have done it for free, but it was nice to make 250 bucks. I, I wish I was making more because I didn't have any savings after I got injured. And so I ended up moving in with my sister for a year and a half in Columbus, Ohio, living on her couch, trying to figure out at 24 what I'm going to do with the rest of my life. Now that my identity is over, what can I do to make money? I never thought I would be an entrepreneur. I had zero skills or talents of selling anything. I never had a lemonade stand or sold baseball cards or I had no hustles in school growing up. I just wanted to be an athlete. And so when that identity was over, I was truly like, what am I going to do with the rest of my life? I have no transferable skills. I didn't graduate yet from college. I still had some credits that was shy. So I was like, who's going to hire me? This was in 2007, eight and nine during the last economic downturn. Yeah. I was like, who would hire a college dropout who made 250 bucks a, a week playing arena football? No one. They weren't hiring people with business degrees, let alone or masters, let alone people that didn't graduate college in 2008. And so I said to myself, what can I do where I understand how to live life in the next phase? And I said, I only know sports, so I need to make my life like it is a sport. And what does all great athletes have? They have great coaches, they have great teams, and they are able to set goals. And if I can figure out how to do that in the next phase, then I think hopefully I'll be all right. So I started reaching out to mentors really quickly. They started giving me advice. One of them said, why don't you check out LinkedIn? Another one said, you need to overcome your fear of public speaking if you want to communicate and do well in business or at a job. So those two mentors really guided me. I started taking public speaking class every week at Toastmasters for the next year to overcome that fear. I started building my network and relationships on LinkedIn for about six hours a day during that year and a half with my sister. And I just said, I'm gonna learn. I'm gonna find other great people, see what they've done well, and I start taking action on my goals. Started doing kind of the online marketing stuff because I had a laptop in my sister's place and I got into marketing quickly. I just started studying every book and interview and blog and started creating things, built an online marketing courses, sold that company, made some money in a couple of years. And then I said, okay, what do I want to do? I really want to sit down and interview people, the world's greatest athletes, minds, business leaders, and, and tell their stories. And so that's kind of what my last seven and a half years has been with the School of Greatness. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I mean, you got you got a phenomenal show, and you you talk to a lot of really really high level people, like really top performers. Uh, do you find certain, and this is a broad question, but certain threads that kind of tie a lot of the top performers together? Like, are there things that you're like, well, yeah, of course you're successful. I see this with almost everybody I talk to. Yeah, vision. They're unwavering in their vision of what they want. You know, the mm -hmm. Olympic gold medalists don't just say, "I think I want to win a gold medal in the Olympics." They are so clear at a young age, and then they dedicate their life to that vision. And no one, you know, if you look at Musk or even Trump, no one's just like, oh, I think I want to do this. I think I want to start a car company. I think I want to be the president, or I think I want to build a real estate empire. Just like you guys were very clear on your real estate vision, and you went all in on it, and you obsessed about it until you mastered it. So number one, they're very clear in their vision. Number two, they all have some adversity that they need to face at some point, and usually multiple times. And they, all the greats learn to master their adversity. They don't shy back and fall backwards. They actually say, okay, how am I going to become this adversity? And essentially learn to use it as one of my skill sets as opposed to something that holds me back. And so they turn their adversity into their advantage. The third thing I would say is they all have 
eventually a sense of uh, service, something you want to do to give back. I think the ones that transcend success and turn into greatness don't make it about them. They make it about other people because success is all about us, what we accomplish, but greatness is all about what we can give to others or the world. Mm. You know, you mentioned during that awesome story there that you were staying at your sister's place. For the guests that aren't familiar with your story, can you share a little bit about what was going on in your life when you were at your sister's house and maybe how that period of time helped you develop the three things that you just mentioned right there? I mean, what was going on was a sense of depression, loneliness, insecurity, poorness. I mean, I was just eating off my sister every day. I didn't have any money and I was essentially begging people for food. Uh, many times. I remember going to a Toastmasters class once and they had like bread and cheese in the back. I don't know if you guys know what Toastmasters is, but it's like a public speaking class. They had like bread and cheese and crackers in the back. And I was literally, this is when I had a cast on. So I had a full arm cast from my shoulder to my fingers in this position, kind of like rookie of the year. (laughs) But after I took the cast off six months later, I didn't have superhuman strength like that kid did in that movie. And so I was kind of in this position for six months. Yeah. Holding my arm up. And uh, that was like my favorite movie when I was a kid, by the way. It was great. Yeah. Yeah. Hello. But it was really frustrating to be in this position when you can't straighten your arm, you can't turn your hand, you can't do anything. And so I went into this Toastmasters class and they had food in the back. And I literally was stuffing my pockets with food, like putting it in napkins, stuffing it. And this, this man who gave a speech there saw me doing this. He said, what are you doing? I go, uh, I'm, I'm really hungry. You know, I'm just like, I'm, I'm a, I used to be a football player. I'm starving. I don't have any money. And he said, let me go buy lunch. And he bought me lunch. And I just started saying, he's like, why are you here? And he could see I was kind of down and out. This is like, I couldn't even wear a normal shirt at this time because my shirts wouldn't go over the cast. It was so big. So I had like cut off like wife beater. I just really looked out of place. Everyone in this, this Toastmasters had like suits on. They were all professionals. And I was this 24 year old kind of bum. And he said, why are you here? I said, you know, I'm, I'm trying to figure out the next stage of my life and I need some great coaching. I need to overcome my fears. And I just feel like I, I have no sense of direction. He ended up becoming another mentor and we ended up writing a book together. So my first book I wrote a year and a half later, which was about LinkedIn because I was spending all my time on LinkedIn. I was kind of helping him how to use it and how to meet people for his business. And he was helping me. He was like, you need to write a book about this. And I was like, I have no clue how to write a book. I could almost flunked out of English in high school he said, well, I've written four books, so why don't we write it together, and I'll guide you, and I'll tell you what you need to write, and I'll work on it. I'll get it printed. I'll, you know, I'll do all that stuff, but you just write the content you know, because I really built a brand around being kind of the LinkedIn expert, because that's all I did. I just obsessed over learning how to use LinkedIn, kind of like you guys obsessed over how to buy and flip duplexes. Yep. I was like, LinkedIn is going to be my thing, because I have a laptop on my sister's couch, And I feel like this could be an opportunity to build relationships, maybe find a job or something with my life. So I just went all in on that one thing and started becoming the expert around it, started branding myself as the LinkedIn guy. Everyone at that time was talking about how to use social media back in 2008, 2009. No one was talking about one platform the way that I was talking about LinkedIn. I was saying, screw all social media, just focus on this. And here's the results you can get. And because I was not branding myself as a social media expert. I was branding myself as the LinkedIn guy. Opportunities started to flood in from that branding strategy. 
and I leveraged that. Once I broke through in one category, then I was able to break through in other categories and, and use those relationships for the next phase of my life. So I really spent that year and a half on my sister's couch learning, researching, testing things, reaching out to mentors, and just constantly seeing how can I develop new skills that maybe will be transferable in some day. I didn't know because at that point, I still wasn't really making any money. I was just trying to figure out who am I, what do I want to do, and who can help me. I love that you say that idea of like, you went all in on this thing rather than just be, I'm a social media guy. It's like, I'm going to be a sp- particular on this. Now I was listening to an interview you did with uh, Jay Shetty. That's his name, right? Jay, right. So you did yep. an interview with him on his show uh, on purpose. So it's called, I want to make sure I'm getting it right. Give yep. him a shout out. So I was listening to this morning while I was out for a walk and you mentioned a lot of people and I just lo- I wrote down this point because I thought it was so good. A lot of people just go way too wide, way too fast. And you were talking about the importance of just like really like focusing in on something first. Can you, can you talk about like, like how that applies? Like, like why that's so important? Yeah. Imagine like, imagine there's a wall in front of us. You're in a house and you're trying to tear down the wall. But you want to try to do everything. And so you hit the wall in every different point Mm -hmm. and you never break through the wall. You're punching it. You can't break through the wall because you're hitting it in all different points all over the wall and you're putting your energy spread out everywhere as opposed to I'm going to go in one direction, one focused area, and I'm going to keep punching until I break through this wall in this certain place. Once we break through the wall, we get out to the other side of the wall. Now we can open up a broader net. Now we've expanded our awareness, our capabilities, our skill sets. Mm-hmm. So on the other side, we can then start going wider. Most people start wide, uh, maybe in real estate. Like I'm going to do mm-hmm. duplexes, then I'm going to buy 10 yep. apartments, and I'm going to buy yep. four homes in this development. And then I'm going to go all over the country as opposed to, let me just focus on apartments in Delaware, Ohio, yep. and just start with 10 there and figure that out and become the best at that one thing. As opposed to, well, I'm going to get involved in this and I'm going to do commercial real estate and this. Now, wait until you focus on the one thing, master it. Then with that skill set, that experience, that expertise, then, okay, I'm going to try these other types of real estate investments. I'm not sure if that's what you guys that's would exactly, say. That's exactly. And so, I, people need to re-listen to that last 30 seconds or a minute it, over it. It's because I think you're going to, okay, I'm going to be the expert in Twitter or, or yep. Facebook and YouTube. We don't have that much time and energy to go all in on everything when we start out. When we build resources, when we build team, then we can spread it and go wider and kind of diversify. But I'm always telling people to go all in on the thing that you're most talented or most excited about in the beginning and don't stop. A lot of people, this is a great example, Jay Shetty, since you mentioned him, I met Jay three years ago when he had 200,000 followers on his whole social media platform and no one really knew who he was at the time. And we met literally three years ago, like this week, essentially. And we spent a whole day together in New York City. And after about a year, he really kind of blew up over the next year. He went from 200,000 around this time of the year to in January, he had 2 million followers like a few months later. Then at the end of that year, so 2018, he had 20 million followers. So it started 2019, he had 20 million followers and he's grown to 37 million now. And he, he said like in 2018, He was like, oh man, everything's growing. I want to launch a podcast. I want to do a book. I want to do an event here. I want to do all these other things now. And I said, listen, man, this was at 2 million followers. I said, listen, this thing is blowing up faster than I've ever seen. 
screw the podcast, screw the book until you reach 10 million followers, until you reach 20 million followers. Like, go all in on this viral video creation thing. He was doing like one a week at the time. I said, you should be doing three a week until it stops growing. Like, yeah. go all in because it's working right now until it stops. Then when you see it taper off, okay, now's the time to transfer that into the book, into the podcast, into a coaching program, which he did in the last year. And it's all worked out in a beautiful way. But if he would have started early when it was just 2 million, when things were growing and he said, let me transfer this energy and do all these other different things, he probably wouldn't have the following he has now. And he went all in on it. So I think that's why it's important for anyone listening in real estate to go all in on the one thing yeah. and, and focus on it. Whatever that thing is that you're excited about, that you're interested in, that you know about, go all in on it. Yeah, that's so good. Because yeah, people just try to do way too much beginning. And podcasts are partially to blame for it, right? Because we listen to a podcast, you're like, oh, that sounds amazing. And oh, I'm going to start that business. I better go do yeah. an Amazon business and a real estate thing. And and like, yeah, well, if you can just focus on that thing that fires you up, that you're good at, that you that you can do, like, yeah, all in, pour into that thing. And I think, and say, listen, I'm not, I'm not going to take on shiny objects until I yeah. get 10 apartments, until yep. I get 30, whatever it is, the thing that yeah. you're going to do, like, okay, make a number. And, and until this, I'm going to say no to everything else. And all yeah. my money is going to go back into the next one of these things yep. of this investment. Then when I hit 10, okay, I'll dabble in commercial real estate. I'll dabble in whatever else there is. I'll dabble in that and see if I like it. But I feel like you got to make the bread and butter, the bread and butter until you've maxed it out or until you've got so much extra resources, time or team to go try the next thing. But it's just tough, man. Well, let's unpack that a little bit. Let's talk about why it's hard to do that. Because I know when you don't have much, when you're sleeping on your sister's couch, like anything sounds good. When you are hungry, you're not picky about what you <laughs> yeah. eat, right? So it can go from I'm starving to there is a buffet in front of me yes. and we're telling them, no, you got to focus on just the vegetables. You can't go eat all that junk right now. And it's hard to tell yourself no when you've been hungry for this long. Can you maybe yeah. explain how you were able to have the discipline to focus on that one thing when you're like, oh, it's all there. I got to go grab everything. I may never get another chance. Yeah. When I was 24, I, I was like, I'm going to focus. Once I realized that LinkedIn was a, a way for me to make money, someone paid me $100 when I was kind of doing a LinkedIn profile makeover review for them. And I go, what? You'll pay me for this? And I was like, huh, let me try to find more people that would do this. I kept doing that. And I kept charging more. Then I was like, okay, I'm going to do LinkedIn networking events because everyone's trying to find a job and find business opportunities. So I did 20 networking events using LinkedIn to bring people together in person back in 2008, 2009. Then I was like, let me go deeper. Let me write a book about LinkedIn. Let me do webinars about LinkedIn. Let me create a course about mm -hmm. LinkedIn. I just said, I'm going to do everything on this topic. And then as I started stacking cash and realizing I'm not going to be hungry anymore, I was like, okay, now I can try the next thing. And what I would say to everyone here is, and what I do now for myself, because I have an, a, kind of an abundance of opportunities that are all amazing that come my way. My only Achilles heel is me saying yes to too many things that will take me away from the mission. So everyone listening or watching right now, I would say if you don't have a one sentence mission statement for your business and a one sentence mission statement for your personal life, then you're going to be making decisions that aren't going to support you in the long run. So my one sentence mission for my business is similar to my mission for my life. They kind of bleed together because I am a personal brand and my mission is my life. 
is to inspire and impact 100 million people every single week to help them live a better life. It's my one sentence mission. So I ask myself, when all these opportunities come in, does this serve the mission, yes or no? And if it doesn't, okay, am I willing to do this as a creative side project for fun, knowing it's gonna take my time, attention, and energy away from the main mission and slowing it down? Am I okay with that? Maybe I am because it brings me fun or it's creative or it's interesting or whatever, and that's cool. But the more clear I am on my mission, the easier it is for me to say yes and no to things or to know like, will this help me with the mission? Yes or no. And so maybe someone listening is saying, I want to have $3 million in real estate investments in the next 15 years, whatever. I'm just making this up. Okay. Then don't go invest in this other stupid stuff. If Mm -hmm. this is the main mission for your financial business goals, like just focus on that. And if you can ask yourself, what would it take to do this in half the time? If my life depended on it and I had to do this in seven and a half years, what would I need to do? What would I need to shift? Better yet, if my life depended on it, I had to do it in three years or someone's going to shoot me in the head and I'll die. Yep. Could I make it happen? The answer is usually yes, you could. You just aren't having an interesting enough imagination to see an urgency to focus your energy to make it happen. Yeah. And so I feel like a lot of us just aren't clear. And that's when I go back to the greatest minds. They are very clear on their vision of what they want. And they live with a sense of urgency of why they want it and getting it now. And I try to think of, okay, if this is the big goal, if my life depended on it, could I do it in half the amount of time? If so, what would need to happen? Who would I need to hire? What relationships would I need to build with distribution? Like whatever it may be, I think about the solutions, not, well, is that, is it possible? No, it doesn't matter if it's possible. If I had to, what would I need to do? And I think writing a one sentence mission statement for your business or financial goals and then a one sentence for your life and making decisions based on your mission brings you a lot more happiness. Yeah, that's so good because yeah, people will just make choices based on whatever they're, you ever read the book, you ever heard of the book Life and Air? It's like L, it's like millionaire with the word life in front of it. No. So it's a phenomenal book. I'm going to send it to you because it's so Please. good. Yeah, uh, it's it's, cool. yeah, it's like this book, it's, it's about like the, the rules that we play by in life, like in life should be dictated by the purpose of that life. Absolutely. Not like. But we play by other people's rules all the time. So like if the goal of life is to make a million dollars, you're going to play by certain rules. But if the goal of life is not to make a million dollars or a billion dollars or whatever, then what rules are we playing by? And all of a sudden it makes you just rethink like, what am I doing? Like things like you shouldn't pay off all your debt because you can, you know, if you're getting, if you pay off your mortgage at 3%, you can invest that money in the stock market and blah, blah. Like, well, yeah, that's true. If the goal of life is to get as rich as possible. Yeah. But assuming the goal is not that. So in other words, having that vision of like what your life's about. So that, that's where the book, the title life and air, it's by having more life, not more money. It's probably one of the reasons why, listen, I'm not, a, I'm not an educated in real estate as, as much as I want to be. And it's probably one of the reasons I've been resistant to buying a home uh-huh. because I don't want to personally, my mission is to invest in my business and my brand to impact more people. And so living in Los yep. Angeles, the, the smallest home, a two bedroom, two bath is, you know, 3 million yep. in, in West Hollywood. It's like, why put in whatever that is, 20% of that 600 or 800 yep. grand, whatever that is, I don't know. Yeah. And use all that cash when I could put that into hiring 10 people that could support the vision of my life better and invest in other things or invest in a real estate fund that's paying me a yep. dividend every month and use that cash to support my vision. 
I don't want to deal with the property taxes. I don't want to deal with the headache of cleaning up the pool. I don't want to deal with yep. fixing the, the, the roof or whatever, the appliances. I don't want to deal with that stress uh, of trying to understand it. And so for me, at this point in my life, I'm not married. I don't have kids. Yep. I'm sure one day I'll want to buy my home, but I don't see the value of it based on my mission. Yeah. If all I cared about was something else in my life and having that security and real estate, real estate, real estate, then it, maybe it would be a priority. Yep. I think that's a really good point when you consider who you take counsel from. That mm-hmm. It's easy to get into this binary way of thinking, are they good or are they bad? Are you a disciple of Dave Ramsey or Grant Cardone? Grant mm-hmm. Cardone's going to say, 10 extra life, go big. Take whatever you thought you could do and multiply it by 10. Dave Ramsey's going to say, don't be stupid. Be careful. Play really good defense. Right. Both of them are right in the way that they are sh- advising you for how to build yeah. your life. So if you're not clear on where you want to go, how do you know who to listen to? How do you know what coach to be taking advice from? You're just going to be stuck treading waters going in a million directions and not going anywhere. Yeah. And I was, I'm always looking at models in my life as an athlete growing up. I had models of the athletes and wide receivers that I looked up to the, the positions and the sports that I played and I would watch how they moved, how they played, their men- their mindset. I would watch their interviews. Uh, it's the same thing with the model of the life I'm at now. I really look at, okay, what is The Rock doing? What is Oprah doing? What is LeBron James doing? I see myself as like, if those three had a baby, I would. that's what I would want to be. Mm-hmm. It's like The Rock, Oprah, LeBron James. Okay, mm-hmm. let me look at those models yep. and see what they're all doing. They're all building their brand. They're all giving back. They're all building their own empire and whatever lane it is and i resonate with all three of them and i feel like i try to pull from each one of them so that's that's the kind of life that i'm living that's really good brandon do you have three people that you look to and you say i'd love to be like a combination of these three david green lewis house and (laughs) kevin i don't know Uh, i mean i definitely do but yeah because it's easy to just go i want to just be i want to be super rich like grant cardone or i want to be super famous like oprah but i also want to look at like sometimes you see people who have an amazing life in one area and they have not such an amazing life in the other area right so i want to find the people who are most oprah has no kids and is not married and it's like okay well i don't want that but maybe the rock where he's got kids and he waited 10 years to get married is like something i could do you know it's like I'd be like The Rock. That'd be all right. I, yeah. I, got, I, I can handle that. He actually probably is one of the more well-rounded people, I feel like, yeah. uh, out there. You would uh, be the branch. Yeah. The branch. That's a rock. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Because I'm so awkwardly tall. And, yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Are you six six? Six five and a half. Unless I'm, I'm around a six five and a half guy. I'm, How tall I'm are you? Six, I'm six four, so you're probably six all four right. and a half, right? All right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. exactly. All right. So uh, I want to know. So, okay. So first of all, I will say this. I'm the real, I mean, I'm like the real estate guy, right? Everyone knows me like the real estate guy, but I actually agree hundred percent that like, I think a lot of people should not invest in real estate, at least not the way that I do or David does yeah. because like their highest and best use is not that they're an amazing public speaker. They should probably be doing something with public speaking or they're amazing at writing books or at LinkedIn or whatever. So just so everyone listening understands like, just cause we talk about real estate, like doesn't mean you should necessarily do it. Hence the reason we're now doing these shows here on the weekends as well is like, Let's talk about other ways to grow success. Yeah. Uh, but then you take that money and you invest it in things that are like super, super good investments, meaning like other people. Like I think people are one of the best investments, if not, yeah. like, you know, one of definitely one of the best. Uh, you also mentioned you put money in a real estate fund, like a real estate fund. So now your money is growing. So you earn it, you earn it one way and you can invest it and grow it in another way. Uh, yeah. And, I just don't want to manage yeah. it because I don't want to deal yep. with the stress of it personally, uh-huh. because the idea of real estate excites me. The idea of managing real estate does not excite me. Yep. And 
even the idea of like, okay, well, I can just buy homes and have a property manager. The idea of dealing with the property manager yeah. and the logistics and stress of that, for yep. me, does not work for me personally, my, yep. my personality. But I understand that if I want to build wealth in America, yep. I have to be involved in real estate in some way. You know, obviously there's people that build companies and sell companies where they can generate extreme amounts of wealth. But someone, obviously the richest people in America are involved in real estate and they build their wealth that way. So I just understand the, the value of concentrating effort in my business to generate wealth there in my business, yep. but diversifying that by putting it in real estate as well. If something happened where my business crashed and I had no money or something. And that's why I think it's important to diversify in some ways, but to have a concentrated effort on one place also. Well, yeah. that's what the best systems, like let's take a professional sports team. The best coaches take things off of their players and say, you focus on this, right? Mm -hmm. When you're carrying the burden of everything, it's very hard to be good at any one thing. And I think Lewis, what you're describing yeah. is you develop that ability to say, if I was to go make money in this area, I would lose money ultimately because I'm not able to excel at what my role is, the thing that I'm supposed to be good at. Now, I'm guessing your football career probably had a lot to do with, you got 11 men on a field, they're all doing a very specific thing, but they have to work in harmony. Mm -hmm. If the left tackle is thinking about what the wide receiver is supposed to be doing, how are they ever going to be good at what they do, yeah. right? It takes some trust, it takes some faith, and it takes a, a good system. Do you think that your background in that helps you develop this understanding of it's okay to say no to a lot of things so I can focus on my job? Yeah, I think so. I mean, as a business owner, I don't know if you have that luxury to say, you, you still have to kind of learn everything, especially when I started out. I was I was every player on the field yes. in my business because I had no money. So I'm learning how to hire people, how mm -hmm. to manage money, how to make money, how to uh, build a product, how to sell, how to design website, like everything. And I think like probably like what a coach maybe would have is like, okay, you learn enough of every position and what needs to be in place. Mm -hmm. And you can step in when you need to, to help out there. But truly it's, it's learning how to put the right people in place, which is kind of the stage I'm at now as we continue to hire more and more mm -hmm. people, how can I empower them and not, and step away from being the one who's always done it all and just say, here, I empower you. It's hard to let go of that once you've done it for a long time. But I know that in order for me to reach the next level, I need to let go of something that's been holding me back and that's definitely one of them but i think it's and i've been telling my coo more and more like i don't care what i need to invest in or how much this next hire is or whatever it is i need to be focusing on my skills the best because that's mm -hmm. what's going to help us accelerate the mission and it's hard when you're the business owner because all your own money that you're investing back in people and what if it doesn't work out you just got to deal with that it's part of the cost of doing business but the more i can focus on my skill set that only really I can do in this business, the more successful it'll be. The more time I spend on trying to do things that I'm not the best at, the longer it'll take to get there. And that yeah. translates easily into real estate sales. If you're the yeah. guy who analyzes the deal and you're spending all your time talking to contractors and trying to manage a timeline, you're yeah. losing money. I just heard Ryan Serhant talk about this. He's a really, really big real estate agent in New York, one of mm -hmm. the biggest in the country. And he made that exact same comment you just said. I need to focus on things only I can do. Only I can talk to the real estate developer. Only I can talk yeah. to the guy building the, the skyscraper that we're going to sell the stuff. I don't have to be the only one doing paperwork. I don't have to be the only one finding lender partners. And I think that as people are building their portfolio, if they keep that in mind, 
I have to find the deal. I have to analyze the deal. I have to find the people that I have to bring and get other people doing the rest of it. You find success just starts to become a whole lot easier than when you're yeah, trying to do it's true. everything. Yeah, I want to ask you, there's a lot of talk that we could be heading into a recession. And whether we are, whether we're not, there's one coming at some point, just like there's always a recovery coming. What advice do you have for people that can't stop worrying about what if it's not ideal? What if something goes wrong? Well, it's not going to be ideal. I don't think for anyone, unless you're like, I don't know, a uh, a mask company or something like that. Or <laughs> yeah, if you um, make a ninety five mask, right, you exactly. probably feel I mean, pretty good. There are actually some businesses that are thriving there during this time more than ever. But I think it's it's probably rare. I just come back down to, I'm always thinking if I lost everything, what do I need to have in order to relaunch in a moment so that I wouldn't be worried about money or or making money or anything mm-hmm. like that. And it comes down to the quality of my relationships, comes down to the amount of skills that I've developed for myself and continue to develop. And the third thing, it comes down to, uh, well, I would say rep- relationships slash reputation I have with those relationships, like their ability to believe in me, skills I have. And then also the third thing is, oh man, I had it, but I can't remember what it is right now. Skills, relationships. I'll just, I'll just leave it with those two. I can't remember what the third one is, but mm-hmm. um, I feel like if you have that and you have a personal brand, then mm-hmm. you can always launch something again. You can always bounce back. Even if I, even if I lost everything, I feel like I've got those three things, which I feel like I could call up one person and do a business mm-hmm. deal with and make money. I could come up with a new product or project and launch it to my audience, or even if I lost my audience, I could find one partner, mm-hmm. say, hey, can we launch this to your audience and do a 50-50 rev deal? I just feel like, oh, the, th- the third thing I was gonna say is my, my ability to embrace my insecurities and fear. I feel like people are afraid that their legs are gonna get cut out underneath them during this next year. People are afraid. And I dealt with that fear 12 years ago when I was going after my dream and then I got cut out during the recession. I got injured. There was no money. And I realized I could survive and make it. Now, I had no kids, no responsibilities. And I had a sister that let me live for free for a year and a half. So I had some support there, obviously, which would be different now. But I feel like this is something I'm always coaching people is every single year, I write down a list of my three biggest fears. I write down a list. And again, it's important, I think, to have a mission statement for your finances or your business career and a mission for your life. And at the top of the year, I write down what are my three biggest fears. And these are usually psychological fears, internal fears, insecurities, not like I'm afraid of spiders, but more of like I'm afraid of people judging me when I, if I launch this project. I'm afraid mm-hmm. to put this book out there. I'm afraid if I do my first real estate deal, I'm going to lose money. Whatever that fear is, it's usually like an inner psychological conversation that we have. And every new success or accomplishment is a different season and bigger fears and insecurities could potentially come up, even if you're conquering ones from the past. And I feel like a, a lot of people aren't doing that experiment on a, on a yearly basis. And it hurts us because I felt like right when COVID hit, I was like, I'm prepared for this. I was like, even if I lose everything, I'm prepared because for the last 12 years, all I've been doing has been tackling my insecurities and fears, Mm -hmm. killing my ego as often as I can, humbling myself through my failures and saving, you know, I've been saving. So it's like, okay, if everything goes to crap, I've got savings. 
not everyone is starting at that place where they don't have savings. But I feel like if we're always staying ready, we don't have to get ready. That's a you know a football terminology. It's like stay ready so you don't got to get ready. And we stay ready by constantly conquering our insecurities, our fears, and our self-doubt. Challenges, most of us shy away from it because it's extremely uncomfortable to face our insecurities and self-doubt. It's really tough to face judgment, criticism, the fear of failure, the fear of success. These are all things that are hard. But when we practice them on a daily basis, I just feel like it makes you indestructible when chaos and a recession ensues. So let me let me give an example, and I'm curious of how you would address something like that. So one thing I struggled with for a long time as a, as a big fear of mine was like this fear of rejection, right? I mean, yes. I think a lot of us struggle with it. We want to be liked. And I had, I had this, like, I was going to start a real estate fund, right? So I was, I was going to do this, but I, I kept resisting it for years because I said, I don't like raising money. And when my, I, I told this on a recent podcast, and it was, I'll say it again now, is I just... I have this coach and I, he was asking me, well, why don't you want, like raising money? I was like, well, and it really came down to when he asked me why about 10 times is because I feel like when, when people don't give me, when they say no to me, they are saying they don't like me. And like, it was a fear of rejection, right? A fear of not uh-huh. being liked. So how, like, you know, I worked through that and now today I have a big real estate fund, uh, you know, so I feel like I came out the other side, but how do you recommend, like, what do you do to overcome fear, to overcome the, like, once you identify what your fears are, like, how do you overcome them? How do you get through that? Have you ever watched Batman? I love Batman. Dark Knight? Yeah. Batman Begins. I'm, I'm a fan of those movies. You know, it's a, it's a cliche story, I guess, but when Bruce Wayne falls in the, uh, the well and he's afraid of the bats, mm-hmm. he comes back later in his life and he says, I'm still afraid. I need to live in the darkness. I need to live with the bats. I need to become one with the bat and become the bat, essentially. And, uh, for me, that's why I think it's important to, I first identify what is my fear. So for you know, I'll give an example, public speaking. I could not stand up in front of a group of three, four or five people and share a one minute speech, a one minute thought. Really. I could only speak to people like one-on-one, but when it was a group of people, it was like, I didn't know how to manage it. I felt like people were laughing at me. I felt like I wasn't interesting. I felt like they were going to talk about me behind my back. I was completely insecure with this. And when I met this mentor, he was like, you need to go to, you need to go to Toastmasters every week until this is no longer a fear because whether you're looking for a job and you're going to be presenting something in a boardroom in a company, or you want to be a professional speaker, or you're going to be an entrepreneur, whatever it is, this is a skill you're going to need in any area of your life. If you want to persuade people and make an impact, because if you can't communicate your message, it's going to be truly a lot harder to make an impact. And as an athlete, I felt like. I could get away with it because I never had to speak. I just had to perform on a field and I let my actions be my words to inspire people. But I no longer had that, I guess, thing to fall back on. I couldn't just perform and be an athlete and not have to say anything. If I wanted to get a job, I had to do an interview or anything. And so I remember being terrified for months in Toastmasters, but I gave myself the mission and the goal. I said, I'm going to go here every week until I'm not afraid, until I'm not sweating, until I'm not trembling, until I'm not stuttering. And for months, all those things happened until, and and what I did is I was like, okay, I'm going to film myself every time. I'm going to experience extreme embarrassment and humiliation over and over and over again until it doesn't make me humiliated anymore. I would watch myself and on agonize uh, on the game film, watching back my speeches of how horrible I was, how I didn't have any vocabulary, how I couldn't look people in the eyes, 
And I said, okay, what's one thing I can do a little bit better next week for my next speech? And every week I'll get a little bit better and I'll say, wow, okay, I did do this better. I improved there. I got better feedback. And I created an experiment for myself where I said, I'm going to humiliate myself over and over again until I don't feel humiliated anymore. And I think a lot of us don't put ourselves in that environment of pain, emotional pain. I did this with uh, when I was a going into my junior year in high school. I was terrified to speak to girls. I don't know if you guys were like super confident talking to girls growing up, but I had zero confidence. And I wanted to be liked by girls and guys, mm-hmm. right? And I could not ever get the courage to go up and like talk to a girl that I was thought was cute or attracted to. So going to my junior year, I said, okay, enough is enough. I'm sick and tired of feeling like so insecure all the time. So for one summer, I gave myself an experiment. I said, every single day, when I see a girl that I'm attracted to, or I get butterflies, when I see them, I'm going to walk right up to them and I'm going to have a conversation. For the first two weeks, it was horrifying how embarrassed I was. (laughs) So bad because... I'm just like, oh, my name's Lewis, like stuttering. I have no clue what I'm saying. I have zero skills. I have zero confidence. And girls would laugh at me. Girls would run away from me. It was like horrifying. Everything you don't want to happen as a young boy happened in the way you don't want it. And I just said, I'm going to keep committing to this. And I'm going to try a little bit better the next time. And I'm just trying to figure out what works. And by the end of the summer, I swear to you, I'm having the time of my life. I'm talking to, you know, I'm 15 or 16. I'm talking to 40-year-old women just to like experiment. Like, okay, I'm just going to say hi to them. I'm not trying to pick any girls up. I'm just want to overcome this fear. And every year I do this. I write down my fears and I go all in on them until they become a strength, until, until they become something that I really feel like I'm good at or not afraid of anymore. And so it's, it's identifying it and then saying, okay, I'm going to go all in and experience the rejection over and over. Like you should say, okay, I'm going to ask 10 people that I really respect and I'm going to experience them saying no, rejecting me, laughing at me, saying, nah, it's not right. It's not good enough. And then saying thank you for the feedback because they're going to tell you what they need in order to invest in your fund. And you can say, okay, what would my fund need to look like in order for you to give me a million dollars? Yep. What would it need to have for you to feel like it's, it's worthy of your time? What would I need to be creating for you in order to, to trust me more? And then you can get amazing feedback. So everything I do is just getting feedback through the humiliation. But a lot of us never want to experience that failure or humiliation because it's so painful. It sucks. I don't like it, but I know it's necessary to get what I want. Yeah, that's powerful stuff. Yeah, just the idea of like identifying what that fear is and then trying to embrace that is like, I'm going to improve that. It's intentionally trying to change your life. It's so hard. sitting in the back seat. Yeah, it's, it's hard. It's so hard. I did the same thing. Another quick story. I mean, every year I do this. I did this with salsa dancing. I mm. went to a salsa club one time when I was 20, I don't know, 20, 23, 24, right around this time I was on my sister's couch and I was mesmerized, mesmerized by, it was all Latinos. I was the only white guy. Imagine being... Uh, six four in a, a salsa club with all like yep. five five Latinos, right? <laughs> and I stand out like a sore thumb, and I would go there every week, once a week for months, and just watch in the corner, never dance because I was so scared. But I wanted to learn how to salsa dance, but I just didn't want to embarrass myself because yeah. everyone was so amazing. And eventually, one girl dragged me out. This is after months of resisting and never going to dance, but I would be there to watch. She drags me out. 
and I literally am sweating. I'm so humiliated. She's teaching me the basic steps, and I'm like, everyone is laughing at me. Everyone thinks I'm an idiot. I don't even know what I'm doing. I can't understand this. I'm stepping on her. After about 10 minutes, I look up. No one cares. No one's looking at me. No one's laughing at me. If anything, they're like, yeah, great job. Like, keep it up. Like, come back. They were encouraging. And it's what made me say, okay, I'm going all in on this. And I obsessed over salsa dancing every day for the next three and a half months, taking group classes, taking private lessons, studying on YouTube, practicing in the mirror until I wasn't afraid of it anymore. And now I travel the world, or I did before COVID, travel the world to the biggest cities in the world. And I'll go anywhere where people don't speak the language. I can walk right up to any club to the best dancer in the club and dance with confidence and ease because I allowed myself to feel humiliation for months. Well, that's yeah, the, really that's the Batman story or, you know, moral that he faced those bats. There's a scene where he's standing in the cave and they're all running right by him. And, you know, he's terrified, but he's making himself and he actually harnessed it. Yeah. And the whole, the Batman idea is that he now uses that same fear against his enemies. Yeah. And you were able to harness your fear of the dancing and the talking to women. And now you use that for the business that you built. Exactly. You make a living talking to people and all kinds of different people. And, and I never imagined I'd be able to do this, but it was like, I embraced it. And that's and, the awesome yeah. part about when you do something that emotionally difficult that I can just imagine as you were talking, watching you in that salsa studio, sweating and terrified. Sweating. Just the, we're using words like I was scared, but that doesn't really do justice to the emotion that you're actually no, feeling. Trembling. Like, yes. <laughs> right. And the price you paid was that you faced it. And the reward is now this career and this brand that you've built. And that's just why it's so worth pursuing because you don't know how amazing it's going to be on the other exactly. side. Exactly. And Brandon, probably for you, you, you know, you were afraid. I don't know how long you were thinking about launching this fund or how many oh, wow. years, you, how many years were you thinking about it? Yeah, at least, at least probably five years of me thinking I should take this to the next level. And wow. Doing it. Yeah. And, and you probably, did you get some rejections when you finally started asking people? Uh, I asked two of my good friends and they rejected me. That stopped me for like two more years because I asked two friends. They said no. And, and you were uh, like, okay, if my two yeah. friends won't invest in me, yep. then why? How am I going to reach out to strangers that I barely I found know? out later they just didn't have any money. Of course. I just exactly. Didn't think, yeah. That's that the ridiculous. thing. And, yep. But the more you experienced it, and you got more comfortable with it. And, and I'm sure you started asking people yeah. and people said yes. And then some people said no. And you're like, okay, yeah. I'll just keep okay. asking. Yeah. It's almost a numbers game more than anything now, it which is. is interesting. The other thing I find interesting with the insecurity and the fear thing, and, and I've shared this on the podcast before, but you know, like my biggest insecurity in life, my biggest insecurity has always been my voice. Ever since I was a kid, I have a lisp and I was in speech therapy and like, I've always struggled with it. And isn't it ironic sometimes? It's like the Batman thing, right? Like the thing that I am most ashamed yeah. about in my life is the thing that I am being used the the widest, you know, like yeah. I, public it's speaking funny, right? terrified me and, and then talking in front of people. So I didn't even know you, know, you had a list, but I couldn't even hear it. Okay, I work on it. But it's like I, I have a lazy talking and uh, yeah, it's, just, it's ironic that like that, that stuff sometimes works that way when you yeah. lean into it. Like the first, do you want a podcast? No way. I would never do a podcast. That'd be ridiculous. Right. Exactly. But, you lean into it. But I think by, I think people are more inspired by those that have some adversity or challenge and, and they, they keep doing it in spite of their adversity. Yeah. So even if you're like, Hey guys, I'm really nervous on this first podcast and I, you know, I'm insecure cause I got a lisp or whatever. And I've never been on radio. I don't know what I'm doing, but God, I'm so excited about to teach you about real estate because it's transformed my life. Yeah. And I feel like I'm doing a disservice by not overcoming this and just sharing it with you. 
people are more inspired the fact that you're not this super confident speaker, that you don't have this training, but you have a wisdom that you want to share. And that's what they get excited about. Yeah, that's actually, I think that the huge part of it is like the heart at which you teach that stuff, the heart at which yeah. you do that stuff. Yeah, I, I feel the same way. I go to jujitsu now. Uh, we had uh, Jocko Willink on the show and he yeah, you know, challenged great. me to, yeah, he's great. Challenged me to go out and do it. So I go the next day. It was the most painfully embarrassing, awkward. Like I didn't even, just, I didn't even get on the mat. I just stood there like an idiot in the wall, you know, and I still feel like that every time I show up, every time. Yeah. But I'm going to keep showing up. It's the same thing because I'm like, eventually I'll be good at this or I'll figure exactly. it out. Exactly, exactly. You know? I beat a 75 pound, like 60 year old lady last time. It was amazing. 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 I felt really good about myself. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's that thing. Uh, I also, on a very limited version of the story you told about, you know, going to the salsa dancing and, you know, like taking those fears. Uh, I used to do this experiment. You ever go to the Minnesota state fair? You ever go up to Minnesota when you were younger to the state fair? <laughs> no, I, I, I uh, went to Southwest Minnesota state, but I never okay. went to the uh, well, fair. State though, fair. Yeah. You're missing out. It's amazing. They got sweet Martha's cookies. They're the best chocolate chip Ooh, cookies you'll ever have. Good. And you, you, of course, it's a state fair, so you don't buy them by the cup or by the plate, by the bucket. So you get yeah. The, yeah, it's like this. It's like this giant bucket of cookies. And so I would make it a point because I was so afraid of getting rejected and, and talking, even talking to strangers. I would go and ask everybody with a bucket if I could have a cookie. And I was like, whenever I'd go to the fair, I'd ask them if I could get a cookie because it just, it like was a small thing that forced me to yeah, face a little bit of that fear. Yeah, and then and I people got free gave cookies. cookies. Yeah, people, exactly. I, I think like one person ever turned me down. I do like, this at college. Yeah. Like football games, when people are tailgating, I always do this because I'm like, I'm not going to go spend and buy like an $8 bratwurst uh -huh. or a hot dog. <laughs> Everyone's making their own burgers and hot dogs and people got so uh -huh. much stuff with their food that I'd just be like, hey, is anyone got a dog I can like, can I buy it for a dollar from you? And they'll usually just give it to you. Yeah. Like it's just put, it's risking people saying yeah. no and the fear of humiliation for five seconds and then moving on. But the rewards are so much greater. Mm -hmm. And I always use this line, like, I just feel like I get upgraded on planes and hotels and free stuff all the time because I use this one line that has transformed my, my last 10 years. And my friend Paul Evans told me this line 10 years ago. He said, anytime you want something, say, what's the chance mm. that I could get a free hot dog? What's the chance you'd be willing to give me a cookie? What's the chance you can give me a free upgrade in this room? Whatever it is. And what's the chance? Every time I use that, it almost always works. What's the chance you could hook me up here? What's the chance That's you could good. do this for me? It's just risking for someone to say no. But yeah. what if they say yes? Yeah, That's really good. Well, That's phrasing really good. it that way is really smart. Because if, if you ask me, what's the chance, David, that you would sell my house for free? I would say it's not going to happen. But if but, that was something you wanted, here's a way that we could make exactly. sense of that. Right? It, yep. It's You've experienced a small amount of rejection, but more importantly, you are going to receive what it would take to get there. And I think like Brandon, I could just picture you so much of your personality makes more sense after sharing that cookie story <laughs> because you're very hard to say no to. Like, oh, I think that it's getting weird. rejected a couple of times and not liking that sting caused you to respond by preparing ahead of time. Okay. If I make my voice sound like this, or I don't ask right away, I got to say something else first to get the conversation going. Then I'm going to bring it in. <laughs> you naturally built up this way to connect with people because you don't want to get told no for this free cookie. And now it became a strength. I mean, I think that that's really brilliant that you guys mentioned that. That's yeah. Funny. The cookie master. What are those cookies? Called? Sweet, sweet Marys. Sweet Martha's. Sweet Martha's. Mm. Sweet Martha's. Yeah. Yeah. Sweet Try Martha's. Yeah. They're they're by the bucket. They're amazing. Whether you need to buy or sell, or you're just obsessed with looking at homes for sale. 
Redfin's got you covered. Redfin updates their listings every two minutes to help you see new homes first. And they give you personalized recommendations based on the homes you like, so you can find a home that's just right for you, whether that's a cabin, a craftsman, or a castle. With the top-rated Redfin app, you can favorite homes, share listings with others, and schedule tours even on the same day with a local Redfin agent who can help guide you through the whole home buying process. And if you're looking to sell, Redfin agents have the experience to help you get the best price possible for your home. That's because they sell twice as many homes as other agents. With a listing fee as low as 1%, Redfin's fees are half of what others often charge, which means you'll have more money to put towards what matters most to you, like your next home. In fact, last year, Redfin saved home sellers $127 million. No matter where you are in your real estate journey, Redfin can help. Download the Redfin app to get started today. We're always looking for ways to improve, searching for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for better is by matching with quality candidates. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of the show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BiggerPockets. Just go to Indeed.com slash BiggerPockets right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Indeed.com slash BiggerPockets. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Listen up, business owners, because I've got some quick little math for you. Fewer costs equal more profit. The problem? You're spending more than ever on operations, materials, deliveries, software, and more. So why not reduce your costs and headaches with NetSuite by Oracle? NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. Oh, also, NetSuite lives in the cloud, which means you can reduce IT costs with no hardware required. Cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because now you've got one unified business management suite. You can improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. It makes sense that over 37,000 companies have already made the move to NetSuite. So don't let rising costs sink your business growth. And by popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash biggerpockets. NetSuite.com slash BiggerPockets. NetSuite.com slash BiggerPockets. All right, let's jump down. I want to move on to a slightly different topic here uh, before we get you out of here. I mean, you connect with a ton of big guests on your shows. I mean, like you got like so, like I'm always just like in awe of like, oh man, Lewis is interviewing that person and you were on Ellen. Like this, uh-huh. like that's amazing, right? I want to know like how you connect with these people. How are you, like what, what, what do you do for networking? What's your tips for connecting with it? Because this applies to people you might want to be trying to connect with that local investor or mm-hmm. that local TV station. You want to get some press for your company, whatever. Like, what have you found has just been really helpful for networking? I, that's one of my skills, I guess, that I've been doing since I, in my LinkedIn days back in 2008, 2009, was I learned quickly how to message someone on LinkedIn and get a response. Mm. Because I was reaching out to like the successful leaders in like the Columbus area originally. 
And first, no one was replying to me when I said, hey, can I pick your brain for 10 minutes? I'm a struggling person with no direction in my life and I need help. No one cared. Yeah. But when I started to try different things and make it about them and make it about their success and do my research and figure out what is meaningful to them, then I started crafting my messages differently. So for example, I'd always try to find three things that we had in common in the first sentence of any message. So I might say, okay, what do we have in common based on their LinkedIn profile? I see that they went to Ohio State and I see that they have an interest in salsa dancing and also that we have three mutual friends. I would use those three references in the beginning of the first sentence. Hey, I saw that you went to Ohio State, so did my brother, and I'm a big Ohio State Buckeye fan. I see that you are you love salsa dancing as one of your interests. I've been dancing for three years and that, uh, you know, Brandon, David, and Kevin are mutual friends. And Brandon said something really nice about you the other day when I talked to him about you. First line, it's like when yeah. you find three things that are mutual interests, people are automatically going to say, oh, I'm going to feel bad if I at least don't reply. Yeah. Okay, that's step one. Get them to be interested to then want to at least reply. Second sentence is all based on research. I really loved what you did in this. I really love this video you did here. I really love like how you went from this part of your career to the next part of your career. It's really inspiring. Something about them that is interesting to you about their success. And then the third thing for me is all about how can I serve them, not how can they serve me. So I would say early on when I had nothing to give, I would say, I'd love to learn about your story of success and how you went from here to here. I'd love to hear that if you're willing to share with me five minutes about your story of success. Never in that three sentence email draft did I say, can you give me advice? Can you help me find a job? Can you help me do this? Can you invest in something? It was more about building a relationship and creating connection and trying to add value. Now that 10, 12 years ago when I had no value, it was, can you share your story of success? Because that was the only thing I could think of. But what I realized is that people, when they've achieved something, most of the time, if you phrase it the right way, they want to tell their story of success. They want to tell you how smart I am, how mm -hmm. I overcame this challenge, and why I'm so smart, essentially. Yep. We're, like, that we're fed by that kind of ego of like, oh, I appreciate you acknowledging that I've succeeded. You see me. You, you, you hear me. Let me share back with you. And I would get on the phone, or a lot of these people would meet me in person for coffee or something and give me 30, 60 minutes. And I would just sit there and hear them share their story. Never would I ask them for anything, never would I ask for advice, but the way I phrased the questions, they would give me the advice that I needed based on them telling their success story. And at the end of it, I wouldn't ask for anything. And they would say, man, that was really, that was a fun conversation. Is there anything I can do for you? And I'd say, maybe I'd say, yeah, you know, I'm really looking for this and I'd love some support if you have it. But most of the time I would just say, no, I'm not looking for anything. But if I can connect you with anyone in the future, please let me know. And I would never, I still would never ask for anything. And I would kind of delay the ask for many, many years and just try to give, give, give. That's kind of been my last 12 year makeup is like, never ask, always give and yeah. serve in some way possible. And giving might just be listening. You know, that's what might it be. And just saying, what's your biggest challenge right now? And them telling me, well, we're really struggling in our company with uh, finding a designer. And I'd say, okay, let me find you a designer and match them to you. It's just all been, been about value. That's how I've connected with a lot of people. I'm also 
big on following up and following through. As an athlete, you, you, you score points in the follow through. And so getting someone like Kevin Hart on, I messaged his publicist every month for four and a half years. Oh, and it yeah. just happened to be the right timing. He yeah. had a self-help book that came out and it made sense to come on the show then. It didn't make sense when he had all these other movies, but now it makes sense. Yeah. But I kept showing up and adding value to the publicist. I try to do the best job I can in the interviews that they want to tell their friends. It's just a, a matter of showing up and adding value. And as you grow, you know, as you get a bigger and bigger personal brand and more people know you, how do you balance your ego, you know, between like, oh, I'm so good. I did this really well. You know, ego, I'm sure you, you probably read Ego is the Enemy or know of it, Ryan Holiday's yeah, yeah. book. Right. So like, how do you balance that? I'm so great. I do things that, that make me feel humiliated and, and mm -hmm. take my ego down, whether it be intentionally or not intentionally to remind myself <laughs> I'm just a, a human. Yeah. I've got a girlfriend that will quickly bring me back to where I need to be. If I have an ego, I've got family that'll do that for me. My team, I'm just constantly trying to be grateful and, and humble the best that I can, but also live in confidence and, and kind of live in both worlds. But yeah, I mean, social media will quickly bring you back down if you do something that people don't like and, and just trying to be like, okay, well, let me check myself and see if, was that accurate? Should I have said that? You know, do I believe in that or do I need to take ownership and responsibility and move forward in a different way? So, yeah. Is that one of the things you've had to confront when it comes to what you're afraid of every year is actually becoming so successful that your ego gets out of hand? More of like my audience leaving me or whatever, like judging mm -hmm. me, leaving me. You know, we talked about this before we started. It's like, I like to bring on different interesting perspectives on my show. And sometimes people don't like that. And they think, mm -hmm. How dare you, Lewis, like elevate someone's voice who believes in this. But I'm always like, you know, if I don't take risks and I always play it safe, then where's the interest or the fun in that as well? And if I'm trying to have an intention to help people always, I feel like we need to have conversations with people that maybe don't believe in the same things. Mm -hmm. If we're trying to find connection and unity and healing, we've got to learn from different perspectives. And that's going to take me being the essentially the facilitator or messenger or the personality curating conversations, taking the heat sometimes. And it's unfortunate when you see a bunch of people unfollow you in a day or leave a bunch of nasty comments or, you know, a couple of years ago I went through a breakup and the person I dated decided to say, well, here's all the things that Lewis did wrong and what he did and this and my feelings mm -hmm. on him publicly, which I thought wasn't really cool, but yeah. I, so I had to learn how to take heat from people judging without actually knowing the full story or mm -hmm. actually knowing the truth. They heard the truth from one person and I never shared the truth, my truth. And, but I just had to accept, okay, people are going to hate me, gossip and judge me because they think something, whether it's true or not, and they don't know the context. And that's tough to not be able to kind of defend yourself, to be like, mm -hmm. oh, people just assume this and they have no clue. But it was also like, okay, this is humbling. I get to like let go of all these needs to please everyone. I'm not going to be able to please everyone. So in some way, it gave me a sense of freedom, like going through this kind of an ego death of this person blasting me and shaming me about whatever because they were hurt and they can share whatever they want. But I had to let go of the need to everyone to like me, yeah. which was hard because it's like, like you said, Brandon, we want everyone to like us and... We're not intentionally trying to upset people. Yeah. And when I've built goodwill in people and all I've tried to do is be positive for seven years, like 
man, it's it's tough. So going through that was like a fear. And and going through it made me realize, okay, I'm okay on the other side. I'm still alive. My business is here. And I've actually cut out people in my life that were taking so much energy from me that were fake friends who quickly judged me. Now I can focus my energy and attention on the people that I know are here for me, even if I made a mistake or something happens or people judge me. So it was actually a powerful experience that I want to take back. Yeah. I guess is that probably unlocked pieces of your own talent that were being shoved down out of fear that if if this comes out, people might see this or people might see that. And that was a whole new set of bats that you're going to have to confront when that comes. Absolutely. I was definitely afraid of other people's opinions and needing to look good and needing people to like me. Yeah. And I, I still, I'm not trying to do things to get people to not like me. It's not like I intentionally want people to get mad at me, but I'm also going to stand for what I believe in and share my truth on things, knowing that some people aren't going to like it and people are going to leave me and people are going to be upset and hurt by it. And it's unfortunate, but I'm not afraid to put myself out there as much anymore when I have, when I make certain decisions. Yeah. Yeah. Really, uh, really good stuff, man. Hey, you know, we're going to head over in a minute to over to the last segment of the show. It's called our famous four. But before we get there, is there anything like, I mean, there's probably, you know, roughly give or take a quarter million people listening right now to this. Like what, what do you need? What can our audience bring to you right now? Is there like either guests you're looking for or connections or anything that would just like benefit your life that maybe somebody out there could help you with? My, I mean, my top five list of guests since I first started, I mean, Will Smith and yeah. The Rock uh, and Jim Carrey have been in the top kind of five from the beginning. So if anyone knows, but I'm, I'm kind of close you know, to the, their teams. You know, Jim Carrey, but, you know, Jim Carrey lives like a half mile from me out here in Maui. Really? Yeah. Right? yeah well. It's funny because I moved into a building here in LA and like the next couple of weeks I saw him in the building and he was actually oh, lived crazy. in the top of the, uh, in the penthouse of the building I lived in. I think he's moved right now from there, but yeah. But yeah. Jim Carrey. If anyone knows Jim cool. Carrey, I'd love to interview him. I actually have talked to his publicist for years too, but if anyone has a closer connection, the rock has been on my, my hit list since uh, seven years. I feel like we have a similar story from being kind of failed football players into building brands. Obviously his brand's way bigger, but, um, uh, so you'll, those you'll are, catch him. You got this. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I'm cool. just, I'm just here to serve people and, um, and help people, but always looking for great guests. Yeah, that's cool, man. Yeah. Very cool. Well, with that said, let's head over to the last segment of the show. It's our famous four. The part of the show where we ask the same four questions to every guest every week. We're just going to modify the first question slightly because it's a, normally a real estate related one. I normally ask what's your favorite real estate related book, but I want to actually go to like other resources. Mm. Like what are some like either podcasts or like, you know, online. How many, websites? How many people say rich dad, poor dad? Yeah, everybody oh, yeah. says Rich Dad. Poor Everyone, Dad. yeah. yeah I, I said it. It's, it's a great book. But okay. <laughs> it's like the book, yeah. Uh, but what, what, like, what resources do you rely on? We'll ask you other like business books here in a second. But in, just in terms of like uh, resources that have helped you a lot in your life, uh, what would you point people towards? Business resources? It could be business that, or life. Or just any be, resources. Any resources that you just think people should be checking out right now to benefit themselves. Oh, man. Gosh. Monday.com, which is like a project management tool that we just started using mm-hmm. to help have all of our systems, processes, documents all in one place, as opposed to what I did for almost 10 years of just having Google Docs spread out everywhere and managing it that way. So that's just the first thing that came to mind. That's top of mind. Resources. Yeah, it could be that. It could be like, you know, anything. Podcast you like. like to listen to. Like, yeah. I really like listening to people that have kind of spiritual truth 
I don't consider myself religious, but I love spiritual thought leaders who keep me grounded and keep me thinking of a bigger purpose and a mission for life. I'm interviewing this guy, Rob Bell, later this week. Who oh, yeah. I know Rob Bell. I don't know him, but... I've had yeah. him on a few times, and he's yeah. a buddy of mine. And, yeah, and you're at Love, love Wins and yeah, exactly. Velvet Elvis, and yeah, yeah. He... Yeah, I would. I just listened to his podcast. is great. His books are great. If you just feel like you need some spiritual grounding in your life, no matter what religion you are, he's great. I mean, Jay Shetty, I think, is great. He's got some good stuff on just keeping you grounded as well. I feel like a lot of us just need to continue to stay grounded in our in our mindset because yeah. with all the distractions, all the fear, anxiety, the most powerful thing we can do is take care of our mind and our thoughts and. You know, 84% of our thoughts on a daily basis are recurring thoughts. And most of those thoughts for most people are negative. Yeah. And so if we can learn how to reprogram the way we think internally and start saying nicer things to ourselves and start having more belief in ourselves as opposed to saying, I'm never going to mount anything. This is going to fail. What if this goes wrong? What if all these things go right? And what if it goes bigger and better than anything we've ever imagined? What if we had those conversations with ourselves? So finding people like Rob Bell, Jay Shetty, who really give us tools to kind of stay in that mental state of, of peace and calm, I think is the greatest enemy is like negative thought. And it's what holds us back. So that would be a couple of people I'd recommend. Yeah. And then maybe a, a book. I mean, I always go back to The Alchemist. I don't read too many books all the way through, but The Alchemist I feel like it's a great reminder for people to remember who they are and what their, mm -hmm. what their mission is. So if this one sentence mission statement resonated with you, I would say go back and read that book if you haven't read The Alchemist and give yourself the homework of writing down a one sentence mission statement in the next 24, 48 hours, messaging you guys on social media, or you can tag me at Lewis Howes on social media and sharing your one sentence mission. Because I believe that resource of you having focus and writing it up on your wall or putting it on your phone is going to make your life that much more amazing when you're clear on your mission. That's awesome. That's awesome. What about some of your favorite hobbies? Salsa dancing is a big passion of mine. I also do acro yoga, even though I haven't done any of these activities in about a year and a half because of COVID and uh, other things. But acro yoga is where it's like partner yoga. And I like putting people on my hands, doing handstands in the air while I'm standing up, kind of like a acrobatic stuff. I'm a big basketball player, love basketball. But I'm really just a student of, of uh, my hobby every day is like studying people, hmm. observing people, listening to people, and trying to become a master of human behavior. Because I feel like if we can understand why people are the way they are, then we can connect to them and we can both benefit in certain ways. So I'm always studying people and I'm watching a lot of, I watch a lot of movies. I feel like I, I get inspired through movies and it gives me a lot of creative ideas. So movies are hobbies too. There you go. All right. Well, my last question of the day, and then we'll let David uh, ask his last, what do you think separates successful people? If you had to kind of boil this down, I know we kind of asked this earlier, but if you could, like what separates successful people from those who give up they fail or they just never get started? Obsession. I, I feel like uh, it's hard to fail when you're obsessed about something. And something I've done, I, I don't know if this is just part of my makeup or part of whatever, but I've 
I'm like a bulldog. I'm just obsessively mm. wanting to know the answer. I'm obsessively wanting to get the result and I'll do whatever it takes to make it happen. Uh, so for me, that obsession, I've, I've heard Conor McGregor talk about it. He's like, I'm just obsessed with the process. I'm obsessed. I'm obsessed. And I love it. Grant Cardone talks about being obsessed. I mean, I don't think you can achieve great results by not being obsessed, by dabbling, by trying to do everything, by hitting the wall on every spot as opposed to like, I'm going to drill in this one spot over and over again to break through the wall. So some level of obsession on your craft and on your dreams instead of dabbling. I love that. When you pair the strong, intense desire to get good at something with the concentration of putting it all into one area, you become that laser that can drill right through whatever's in front of you as opposed to the light bulb, which spreads its light everywhere, but it doesn't really get through obstacles. Mm -hmm. You know, that's at the other end of your success or before you get there is going to be some form of obstacle. And if you want to get through that. Yeah. I think uh, the, I think the books, what essentialism where it's like, yeah, they show a circle of energy in every direction and it goes nowhere. And then a circle with like one arrow and it's going in one direction. So it's all the same concept, just focused energy. Yeah. That's what, that's what you teach at the school of greatness, right? Focused energy. I love that. That's awesome. All right, Lewis. Well, thank you very much for sharing your wisdom. It's not just your wisdom, but the collective wisdom of all these people that you've talked to that you brought in with us. You've been a bit of a laser yourself and I really appreciate you for that. Can you tell us where our listeners can find out more about you? Yeah, Lewis Howes, anywhere online and School of Greatness podcast or on audio or YouTube. And yeah, just say hi. Very cool. Man. Awesome. Well, thank you. Appreciate you a ton. And again, I've like, been looking up to you for years. So it's uh, great to finally connect and appreciate you guys. Yeah. I got to dive into more real estate in the future once I find the excitement and the interest in it. Because mm-hmm. I yes. don't think people should dive in unless they're really curious and passionate about it. But one day when I'm at that next season of life, I'll be reaching out and saying, hey, do what it. should I do? Should I do duplexes? Should I do renovations? <laughs> should I do commercial real estate? What should I do? And then That's I'll learn funny. from you guys. So You know what's funny? It's actually like, this is a true story. So back, I don't know, 10 years ago now, maybe 12 years ago, when I first got into like the world of like online, a little bit of education online, I started an old blog called Real Estate in Your 20s. And my like I remember my original goal was someday I wanted to be the guy that like, celebrities and podcasters and authors would go talk to when they want to know real like that was the wow. that was the vision which is funny today now now i get phone calls from people i'm like, like you wow, they're asking me about this like they're asking yeah so it's kind how of, many um, what's your guys restart before the what does it look like what uh, do you guys have david what do you got david i'm at just under 40 single family homes for for my own personal portfolio Wow. And is that spread through a few states? Is that in one state? Is that? Yeah, that's over five different states. I wrote the first book I wrote for this company, Bigger Pockets Publishing, was called Long Distance Real Estate Investing. So nice. I was a police officer, worked a bunch of overtime, obsessed on that one thing, wow. saved up the money, the bought the rental off. properties. Yep. And then just like what you said, I got good at that one thing. And then I expanded out from there. I started writing blog articles to teach people how to do it. That led to book deals that led to teaching that led to this podcast. Now I'm a real estate broker in California and I help clients to do loans. How many did you buy uh, while you were still a cop, full-time cop? 25. No it way, dude! Dude, Lewis, you grueling. should hear. You should hear David's. That's, that's like, like frugal life. Every penny goes into <laughs> yes. like this. Eighty thousand. You should hear his story. More, his yeah. stories. His story is insane. That's like, impressive. He was like yeah, if you work can, hundred hours a week, if you like, can buy twenty five yeah. in whatever mm-hmm. fifteen twenty years as a cop with a, I don't know. I'm assuming you're only making eighty grand a year max, mm-hmm. depending on what city you're in. That's some like you got to get creative. You got to find like, oh, yeah. who, where do I get the loans from? Where do I do this? How do you know? How much of my money do I have to put down? 
So you're yeah. you're living proof that if you could do it, then then anyone could do it at that yeah, level. David, so. David's the picture of like focused energy on on. And your main thing is just like single family homes. Yep, that's that's what thing. I did. But see that that built into a business now where right, I help right, other right. people who I can help them buy properties and we can help do the loans. And yeah. your point was so smart that you you get really good at that thing and you expand out from there. And yeah. I just I know I've said that like five times, but for everyone that's listening, great. that is like the recipe for being successful. Just curious of those forty homes, how much in cash every year does that bring in in income after? Paying yeah. the ten percent fees yeah. after the property taxes, after fixing the roofs and everything. That nets me right around a quarter million on the single family portfolio. But a, a lot of the wealth you build from real estate isn't just the cash flow that comes in; it's paying down the mortgages, the, the properties appreciating. Yeah. So at a certain point, I will sell those, transfer those into like what Grant Cardone does, and that will probably go up to around a million a year in uh, in passive income that wow. the, the real estate generates for me. Yeah, and by the larger yeah. apartment. Complex, that's exactly right. right the units yep yeah that's so real estate's really get rich slow game yeah. it's yeah, it, it should is. be boring and it should just be focused <laughs> energy drilling away you know oh, like right. like building a tunnel right through that mountain you yeah know? it's almost like the first home even if you're like oh i'm making 435 dollars a month and in, in rental income yep. after expenses but at the end of the year you really don't because you got to fix yep. everything so it takes that's like, exactly right it takes like that third or fourth home where you're like now I'm making 500 a month, 700 yeah. a month. Because I've refined the system. Yeah. But 10 years in, 15 years in, that 400 is now 1,000 or 1,500 yeah. as inflation goes over. And that it's like planting a tree. That tree grows and it starts to put off a lot more fruit. Yeah. Get rich slow. Yeah. And, yep. Well, and, and what about you, Brandon? Yeah, I got a couple dozen like smaller deals and then I got into the larger stuff. So I buy mostly mobile home parks today. So I think I have like 600 pads for mobile home parks and 600 lots, like lots. Yeah. With homes on them. And interesting. Uh, Do you own a homes, whole yeah. mobile park? Yeah. Like we own the land and the whole thing. And then people own their own homes and actually rent them out, which is a fascinatingly so weird. You own the land. You don't own any homes on the mobile we, side. Yeah. We end up owning some homes just out of necessity because people leave and stuff. Right. But yeah, so yeah we don't want, we want to be, so you, you're just, a, they just rent the land yeah. yeah to put their home yeah yeah pretty much wow which that's which is a, a yeah the which basically means they do their own repairs and maintenance which is one of the reasons that's nice. they stay forever that's their own home. nice yeah that's some nice so you never have to fix anything up that's another level that's like exactly why level. he went there because he well, doesn't like dealing with headaches i don't like and, contractors and headaches yeah. no He's but like, the, the, pay me my land rent but do you get less rent for the land right yes yes so we like, like, it's like a couple get, hundred dollars a month it's per, not much but it's not much but i have to deal with all the stress Exactly. And when you have six, you know, five, six, seven hundred of them. Well, he can uh, scale bigger because he's not dealing with the stress. So he can go 10 times bigger with the same work. Interesting. Well, the beautiful part about mobile home parks is the stories you get. Like we went to do a bank robber, actually went and robbed a bank. That was amazing. We had a prostitute that wasn't actually a prostitute. She was actually robbing people, but who couldn't then report it because she was, they were coming. Yeah. Sorry. So anyway, those get, those are fun. That's why we're in mobile home parks. What's the vision for you, Brandon, 2025? If you could yeah. have anything in real estate vision, what would that be? Wow, I love how you've you've you you're definitely an interviewer, right? You know how to turn this around. This is this is fascinating. Uh, oh, really? The true story. This is a much longer story, but I had a vision. I said th- uh, two years ago or a year and a half ago, I said fifty million dollars in real estate by December thirty first, twenty twenty one. It's actually on my wall in a huge vision statement. I'm big on vision stuff. Anyway, and we're gonna hit that here in about two months from now. Uh, and so now I'm like, in real estate, is that through the fund? Yeah, I wanted to own, yeah, 50 million in real estate through the fund. And so now it's like, well, what's the next level? So, uh, we're kicking around, I don't know, like how ambitious do we want to be? Honestly, that's, that's the biggest question. Yeah. It depends on your life. 
It's like, goals, I guess. Do you want to be yeah, Grant can, Cardone and exactly, keep 10 xing every year? Or do you want to like, mm-hmm. oh, I'm making a few million a year and I feel pretty good. And I really like surfing and I really like snorkeling yeah. and hanging out in Maui with my family and my kids. And so uh, currently it's 50 million a year is where I'm, I'm setting it at. We'll see if I'm going to 10x that, but uh, 50 million a year is a good number. That's great. That's yeah. awesome. And what about you, David? Yeah, what are you doing, David? Uh, my Like five years from now, my business goals are to have two businesses that make seven figures a month. And then probably about eight to nine other income streams. So that would be, I'm a mortgage broker in California as well as a real estate broker. So building up my teams to where I'm doing that. And then just basically funneling 100% of that income into owning more real estate. More real estate, wow. Yeah, and then my, my role will just be to be the top real estate educator in the country. So I just teach everybody, this is how you do it. And then those businesses create the income that I can then put into deals. I can take those deals, make it a case study to teach people and kind of create like a self-sustaining ecosystem that just spins faster and faster as I grow. That's exciting, man. All right. Well, now I got to ask the same question to you, man. Where, where, where are you headed? For me, it's impact hundred million lives a week and Ooh, helping wow. them live a better life. That's five years out, but I'm also like trying to do it every year. I'm yeah. like, what would it take if I could, if I had to do it this year and I'm trying to accelerate it. And a lot of it comes down to, it's hard to reach a hundred million people without video because uh-huh. audio, as you guys have seen, it's hard to make a, a one piece of audio content pop and go viral. It's almost, yep. I, I don't know if anyone's ever done it. Maybe it's like yeah. Joe Rogan or something with Elon Musk smoking weed or something like yeah, that. Yeah, that's about, that's about. But it's more yeah. like the video takes off and people watch the clips. So it's, it's really figuring out how do we build our own production company with viral video content that has the ability to reach 10 million people a week for each video so that we could collectively reach 100 million people with all of our content to help give people tools and inspiration to improve their life. So that's... Uh, you need an amazing accent like Jay Shetty. Exactly. A British accent that. that's yeah, you you different that, and unique. <laughs> and trustworthy. Exactly. You can say anything. Yep. Australian or British, people will trust whatever yeah. you say. <laughs> exactly. Well, you guys are both really inspiring what you guys have created. I know your audiences love your wisdom and you're just down to earth mentality. So it's amazing to see a couple of guys, someone with a lisp who, who's to steal cookies <laughs> in um, uh, Madison or St. Paul, Minnesota, wherever it was, and, and a cop who can transform uh, his own life and, and one day at a time, one house at a time, and then transition out of that and, and give back. So you guys have both done amazing things. It's really inspiring. Well, thanks, thanks man. Lewis. If you ever want to get in touch with any of the guests we've had, we've had Jocko Willink, uh, Hal Elrod, yep. Tim Ferriss. I've had all those guys. Yeah. Okay. Well, if you, yeah. you hear, I'll, look at, your, I'll look at your list. Had, there you I'll go. Look at your we'll list, but I've had those touch. three guys. Yeah, for sure. I appreciate you guys very oh, much. Thanks for having Gary me. Gary Vaynerchuk, have you had Gary yet? I've had Gary like three times, yeah. Okay, all right. <laughs> I know Gary for, I've known Gary for 11 years, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I saw a video of you guys back like way long time Thumb ago. Wrestling recently. War in 2009, yeah. Yep. Yeah, that's yeah, pretty awesome. All right, dude. Well, thank you for coming on the show. We appreciate, appreciate you, you a lot. So take care. Great to meet you, Lewis. Thank you. All right, and that was our show with... Lewis House, uh, awesome show. I knew that was going to be good. I've been looking forward to that for really months since uh, we started talking about trying to get Lewis on the show and definitely did not disappoint. What do you think, David? Yeah, he was, like you said, he did not disappoint. I think that you know, if the goal of this was to say, okay, this is how you build wealth through real estate. Here's some things that may be stopping you from doing it. We could not have asked for a better guest or yeah. better content to just go right at the heart of this will often get in your own way when it comes to getting what you want out of life. Yeah, that's so true. It's, uh, I don't know, just, hey, everything that he talked about today, I'm like, just thinking, I'm like, man, that's just so good. 
I want to listen to that again. So very, very cool. I'm glad we got there. There's a lot more we didn't get to of his story. So if you guys want to like check out his story, like make sure you guys listen to his show. I'll listen to other interviews he's done and maybe we'll bring him back here again sometime. We'll go deeper because he's written some really good books as well. Uh, like The Mask of Masculinity and The School of Greatness uh, and uh, just all around pretty well-rounded guy. And if anybody can connect him with The Rock, let's do that as a community. Yeah, please. If yeah. anyone here knows Pretty The fun. Rock and can make a connection. Or Oprah Winfrey. Hey, if you know Oprah, I don't think you'd mind that either. I don't think so. All right, with that said, David, you want to get us out of here? I'm going to go kayaking with uh, Mr. Ryan Murdoch today. Well, that sounds awesome. Yeah, I mean, if you were right, here... Ryan takes some good pictures. Yeah, if you were here, you know, we could kayak together. But If no. I was there, I'd have to spend 14 days in quarantine <laughs> and I would not be allowed to kayak. We I would, would be FaceTiming yeah, with you. <laughs> We'd be out of the water. It'd be great. All right. Thanks, Brandon. I appreciate you, man. This is David Green for Brandon, the Cookie Master Turner. Starting off. <laughs> was that a Cookie Monster voice or did I go yell? That was Kermit the Frog, I think. I don't know. Yeah, you're was. right. <laughs> Master of cookies it is. That would be <laughs> Doesn't Cookie Monster say something funny like that? Cookies. That's what That's, he does. Yeah. That's what I was trying to do. All right. Good job. You're listening to Bigger Pockets Radio, simplifying real estate for investors large and small. If you're here looking to learn about real estate investing without all the hype, you're in the right place. Be sure to join the millions of others who have benefited from BiggerPockets.com, your home for real estate investing online. There's a reason small multifamily investing is so popular in the BiggerPockets community. With just a 3.5% down payment, you can own up to four different units. Think about it. If you house hack and live in one of the units, you still have three different groups of tenants helping you pay down your mortgage every month, four kitchens and bathrooms you could renovate to increase your property value, four different Airbnbs, medium-term rentals, or other rental strategies that you can try in one property, all in just one transaction. Of course, the question is, where do you find a small multifamily property that you can actually afford? Which market and which deals are best for you? Once you close, how do you manage it, optimize it, keep scaling, and living your life without being tied down to four leaky toilets or four fussy tenants? All great questions, my friends. All to be answered in the upcoming Small Multifamily Bootcamp with Chris Lopez and Leica Devatha. So if you're serious about growing your portfolio with this highly efficient strategy, head to biggerpockets.com slash four, F-O-U-R, today and join us in the Small Multifamily Bootcamp. See you there. The content of this podcast is for informational purposes only. Past performance is not indicative of future results, and all hosts and participant opinions are their own. Investment in any asset, real estate included, involves risk. Use your best judgment and consult with qualified advisors before investing. Only risk capital you can afford to lose. BiggerPockets LLC disclaims all liability for direct, indirect, consequential, or other damages arising from reliance upon information presented in this podcast.